inside. Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding head saved by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizana sliding head save. Robin Leonard, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Oh, we could just exhale and uh, enjoy a couple of days without uh, the stress and the anxiety and the anticipation and the fun of a Stanley Cup playoff march as the Golden Knights have dispatched the Colorado Avalanche in six games and will now get a couple of days off uh, before starting the Stanley Cup semifinals Monday at the Fortress against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, along with Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman here as well in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. The next uh, couple of minutes, all yours as we open up the phone lines and let uh, you, the BGK fans, the BGK Insider listeners, uh, talk about uh, what you loved about the series and how about playing the Montreal Canadiens in the third round for the right to go to the Stanley Cup Finals? 702-876-1340. Ryan, uh, to lead things off, say hello to Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. So I am just really excited to see a new team. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy to think, like, we've been playing the same, what, like, seven teams for... Since January, so we get to see new team, yay! But it's also a little bit like I'm a little apprehensive about it because I haven't been paying that much attention to the other divisions. Oh, don't worry, you'll uh, you'll you already know Corey Perry, so he's going to be a burr under your saddle. Uh, we know that uh, Carey Price, you're familiar with, he's been uh, outstanding, and Shea Weber's got the big clapper. And you you've watched Tyler Toffoli enough uh, when he was with the L.A. Kings to know that uh, that he can put the puck in the net. There, you're already done. You're ready. You're ready to rock and roll. Well, thanks for the what is that the cliff notes yes. on Montreal. Uh, what did what was your favorite part about this this series against Colorado? Oh my gosh, uh, just just the battle back, right, going down to nothing, and and seeing that that didn't break anybody's spirits, that they came back strong and fought every inch, and you know, like. Like Foley says, you know, never, what is it, never retreat, never right. surrender. You know, I never retreat, always advance, never retreat. I don't know. It's on the it's on the inside of my jersey, but I can't read it while I'm wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right. The resiliency of this team and the calmness uh, while doing it uh, was, was what jumped out at me. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't, they didn't, you know, after that very bad showing in the first game, they didn't, like, look nervous, right? They didn't look like a team who had just lost 7-1. to They looked like a team who was in the playoffs and ready to keep going. Uh, well said. Uh, and you can take a couple of days uh, just to uh, enjoy the moment and uh, look forward to Monday. And we'll chat with you then, I'm sure, on the, either the uh, VGK Insider Show or the post-game show after game number one against the Montreal Canadiens. Be well. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy two days off. You guys don't got to do anything. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Uh, get to say hello to the families. Uh, there's uh, Stephanie uh, with us, uh, little baby Cleo, uh, doing uh, uh paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs and what is uh, a remarkable uh, 
collision between two franchises. One uh, rewriting the uh, the expansion uh, uh, process, and the other one uh, with the most Stanley Cups in NHL history, 24. Uh, but uh, Canadian team hasn't won since the Montreal Canadiens did so back in uh, 1993. A line open, 702-876-1340. Before we get to the uh, phone lines and uh, more from our, our listeners, Ryan, uh, just your, your takeaway from that series uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. So, like, for me, in terms of, of the Colorado Avalanche series, the Golden Knights really turned the corner in that second period of game number two. And I understand that they didn't get rewarded in that game with the win, but that was really the the point where you, you start to say, okay, if the Golden Knights are able to string together periods within this series where they play like that, eventually they're going to get the, the breaks. And for me, like... Game three was incredibly important. Game four was massive for the Golden Knights just because the buy-in was so strong in game three. And then you get that big reward in game number four. I I love the way that the Golden Knights stuck to their game plan. I love the way that they were able to frustrate the Colorado Avalanche. And even though Colorado was better in game five and game six – that's what you have Marc-Andre Fleury for. That's why you have the the amount of money that you put into goaltending this season because you were able to get Robin Leonard a start. You were able to get him into the series, but you were also able to rest Marc-Andre Fleury. And I thought, you know, your point of Marc-Andre getting better as the series wore on, Marc-Andre being fresher at toward the end of the series than Philip Grubauer is a point well taken, and, and that is why I think the Golden Knights are moving on and advancing to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, a lot there, and there's a lot uh, on line number two with uh, Papalu, who joins us on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, how was the night uh, down in Mexico? Oh, man, it was outstanding. It was a good time. Everybody had a blast watching the game. Like I told you, man, I'm turning this place into uh, a little VG, <laughs> certainly a VGK bar, and maybe even a uh, VGK town. Uh, um, you uh, you impressed Nides, by the way, uh, when you called in the other day on uh, nighttime at noon, and we were talking about uh, the different places that you've been. And Shane's like, I-, I need to hang out with that guy. <laughs> hey, you guys, come on, man! As soon as the season's over, let's go for a trip. Let's do it. Uh, oh. What What do you think of the series? You know, I I, I thought that. Knights obviously played well enough to win. Um, the big thing for me is, man, there are a few teams out there, and I'll, I'll lump San Jose, Colorado, and a few others into this mold. They're punks. And, man, you'd love to see a punk get beat up. And what I mean by punks is like the Evander Kane types, the Ryan Graves types. And I'm sorry, I just like to see it get rubbed in those guys' faces. I'm glad they're done. I'm afraid of the Montreal series right now. I may not even watch a game. What? And the reason, yeah. <laughs> just just on the chance that they do a John Merrill tribute, I don't want to see it. There, there's I no... can't even believe Chapman floated that. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Seriously, Lou. Thank you. Oh, Lou, you're because the best. he, he oh, Chapman reacted like I was I was the one that was out of my mind uh for totally dismissing it. And I love John Merrill. I do. But you're not doing it in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Chapman uh, has, has got this uh, 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 connection with John Merrill because John Merrill talked to him a couple of times. And, uh, and he's, he's got this bond <laughs> with him and feels like he should do do what whatever happens when Merrill. Like, uh, if Chapman had his case, he'd do a ceremonial face-off with John Merrill before game number one of the Stanley Cup semifinals. 
And I'll tell you what, Chapman, you are awesome, but I got a feeling Friday started a little early for you today, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got that right. Uh, Papalu, uh, prediction for, for the, the semifinal? Five. Five? Five. Uh, I don't think you're uh, you're too far off there uh, based on uh, where the teams line up. And the, the weird thing is we just don't know how they really, truly match up. I think it's going to be overwhelming uh, to start, though, uh, with T-Mobile. Uh, take care of yourself. How long are you down there for? Uh, we're here until Monday, then heading back to the U.S. Nice. Uh, be safe, pal. Thank you, sir. You guys have a good weekend. There's one of our favorites, uh, Papa Lou, uh, joining us on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, another line open here on uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, when you look back uh, at the series and the way it went, goaltending was so tight early on, but tilted in favor. And I, I'm with uh, with a lot of the uh, commentators. Philip Grubauer looked a little wonky uh, at the end. Uh, back to the phone lines. Mike, welcome to the VGK Insider Show. What do you think of the six-game victory over the Colorado Avalanche? Glorious, amazing, phenomenal after game two. If anybody's got a nickel, they didn't get it from me because I wouldn't have given us a, a nickel for a chance to win this series in six. It's just really phenomenal. Uh, I was I was interested in a couple of things. Number one, the uh, Weather is going to be oppressively hot on Monday and Wednesday for games one and two. How do they keep the rink so cold during that situation? Uh, this is what happens. Uh, one, they have uh, extra equipment uh, that, that's brought in, in in a normal situation. What the biggest enemy to ice, Mike, is humidity. That's what uh, that that really hurts the quality of the playing surface, and what the National mm. Hockey League has to battle against uh, as the season gets into the the springtime and the summer. What do we have very little of in Nevada? Is humidity. Yeah, right. So yeah. Uh, even though it gets really hot, impressively hot, as you said, uh, it's not nearly as big of a challenge as what you might think because of the low humidity. So uh, it's 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 still. Uh, uh, an issue when they open up the doors and people start to come in uh, and they'll certainly have the ice. It'll be chilly in there before the game. Let me tell you that. Uh, but, uh, but uh, they'll be, they'll be ready for the influx of the the heat, but without any humidity uh, it's uh, it's a big advantage to the ice making crew. And they do a fabulous job uh, over at CNA lifeguard and, and T-Mobile arena, but that's, that's the big advantage, but a good question. Well, the other quick thought I have, I go to every practice, well, at least in the good old days, and hopefully in the year to come. And one thing about Marc-Andre Fleury is he plays practice like he plays the game. Mm -hmm. Every single minute of every single practice is like Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final for him. And what I've noticed lately, and tell me if I'm losing my mind here, is that the glove is failing him on certain occasions. He's letting more pucks bounce off of him instead of gloving them like he does in practice. Am I too alarmed? Uh, I would say so. Uh, I don't think, I think uh, what you saw against, uh, certainly in the Avalanche series, are uh, the highest of highest uh, skilled players. So they're, they're going to get the, uh, if they get a good look, uh, they'll score. But uh, I, I think that, that that's probably. Uh, something where you're seeing uh, a trend where you, you try and read too much into it or read into it. Uh, I, I think that uh, Mark andre Fleury's glove is one of his best weapons, and I, it'll be just fine. Ryan, what do you okay. think? Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree there. I, I think that when you look at kind of Colorado, you, you kind of even go back to the Minnesota series. Like, you've got teams that that know how to find the back of the net. You've got elite skill, and, you know, you give them a lot of opportunities or you give them any opportunities, they're going to find ways to put the puck in the back of the net. And, you know, for me, in terms of Marc-Andre Fleury, it's, it's you look at the types of saves that he's making, you look at the big moment saves that he's making, and for me, that's that's really the key for his success, and he's been fantastic. He was great early on in the third period for the Golden Knights to keep that game a one-goal game and allow the Golden Knights to find that insurance goal. Uh, Mike, uh, enjoy round three, okay? Thank you. Is the Vesna Trophy uh, already, the voting already done? Yes. Okay. The, final, the finalists are Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche, Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Marc-Andre Fleury, who's a finalist for the first time. And those uh, those awards will start to be handed out, by the way. Uh, we learned this uh, today on Monday. So they'll start rolling out the uh, the NHL award winners uh, as we move through. Uh, there's Mike uh, uh, with us on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, a line open. Give us a call, 702 876 one three four zero thirteen forty seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. This is your time uh, to comment on what you just witnessed. Uh, did you uh, did you survive? Were you nervous? Uh, did you have doubts? Uh, what soothed those doubts? And uh, and if you want, uh, take a take a little chirp at uh, at Chapman uh, along the way as we discuss uh, what occurred. The resiliency is impressive. Um, uh, Mark Stone's goal in Game Five uh, in overtime uh, that was uh, one of those great moments. Uh, we have a hat trick uh, from Jonathan Marchessault, so two hat tricks and uh, one each in uh, the uh, opening two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, and then you have uh, little little plays like. Uh, uh, Alex Tuck and boy, did you not think that the Golden Knights, along with Tuck and McNabb, were overly physical last night? Like, really took control of the series last night? Yeah, I mean the the hit from Tuck on Nathan McKinnon was absolutely fantastic. Like, that's the type of of game I want to see from Alex Tuck. He's so big, so strong, so fast that when you add that layer to his game, it's going to inherently open up some ice for him when he's trying to find ways to to get offense. So I loved that bite from Alex Tuck. I loved how ferociously he was forechecking last night. And, of course, you know, a you know, big moment for Alex Tuck when he rips one wide. Alex Petrangelo picks it up off the backboards, puts it in the back of the net. That's the game-winning goal. Like, those are plays you need from an engaged and focused Alex Tuck. I think, too, the crowd and the atmosphere fuels Alex Tuck and his physical game. Uh, I think there's an absolute connection yeah. between those two. And uh, when the crowd is buzzing and the nightclub's hopping, uh, the way it ha- has been at T-Mobile Arena, uh, Tuck gets out there on the dance floor and creates a little bit more room for himself. Back to the phone lines. Rita, you're on the VGK Insider Show following a Game 6 victory over the Colorado Avalanche that put the Vegas Golden Knights into the Stanley Cup semifinals. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, actually, I, I expect, I really did expect us to win this one. What I have a question about, you guys already talk about trap games. With as little as we know about Montreal versus any team other than the North, I worry that this is a trap series. 
I don't uh, think that you're very uh, you're off base there. Uh, I, I think yeah. you um, that's a good point, Rita. Uh, well well positioned. Uh, now, now the good news is. Uh, if it is a trap game and uh, and Vegas gets caught up in it, uh, there's experience. They lost game one to the Minnesota Wild and lost the two openers, uh, uh, the first two games, to the Colorado Avalanche. So they've had to fight from behind in, in both first-round series. But uh, then there's also the part about uh, playing the Montreal Canadiens, the semifinal. Uh, I, I I think they'll be ready on, on Monday. And, and I think this is a trap game for Montreal, too. Uh, having pulled off back-to-back upsets, so what what lies ahead for them, Ryan? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. In terms of the the Montreal Canadiens, the Vegas Golden Knights, I don't think that at this stage, uh, Vegas is going to come into this taking Montreal lightly. I, I think you, you have deep respect for your opponent. You have deep respect for the fact that they were able to emerge from the North Division and that they're in the Final Four. So you've got to treat this as as you would any other opponent that you see at this time of year. You know what you have in Carey Price. You know how good of a goaltender he is. So uh, you've got to be ready to go from, from the opening faceoff. And I, I do think that the fans and the atmosphere at T-Mobile Arena, the Golden Knights are used to it. They've been in it. They've played in that environment recently. Montreal, they haven't recently I mean, they've had some fans, but it's not the same as 18,000. So I think it, it provides an opportunity for the Golden Knights to really go into this one ready to go and, and try to open up an early lead and try to take the, the, the you know, try to blitz the Canadians early on in the series. Uh, Rita, were they ticked off enough uh, last night? Were the VGK uh, mad enough to, to, to satisfy what you thought they would do? Well... They didn't matter. I mean, you know, we could have, we could have not let them have any good periods. They tried. We didn't take that out of them. They, they actually tried, but they won the president's trophy. And we all know, I know you didn't answer it, Ryan, but I'm damn glad we didn't win that thing. I, you know, you're not you're not far off, Rita. Like I, I'm not one to believe in jinxes and curses or whatever the case may be, uh, but I'm not going to disagree with you. It, it might be the best thing in the world that the Golden Knights didn't win the President's Trophy. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Have a good day. I got a baked meatloaf. Nice. Be good. There, <laughs> Rita, uh, one of our favorites uh, on the post game show I, uh, with Ryan Wallace. I love her. I yeah. love her. She's just the best. Uh, speaks her mind, and uh, and there's no uh, trying to sift through. What's Rita really thinking today? Uh, you know exactly <laughs> what Rita is thinking every day, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, Rita and company enjoying this one. Uh, line open, 702-876-1340. It's the BGK Insider Show listener line. As uh, we invite you to give us a shout and let us know what you thought of the six-game series. Uh, four games in a row. I will admit, uh, I never saw that coming, where either one of these clubs could possibly win four straight against the other. Yeah, I didn't see it happening either. I mean, I thought taking four of five from Colorado was going to be a really tough task for the Golden Knights. But, you know, once you kind of get into a rhythm and, and you find your game and things start to snowball a little bit, then... You know, it it goes in the positive for the Golden Knights. It goes in the negative for the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, I I think 
Colorado not getting the result in Game 5 after playing well, after making adjustments, after controlling you know, uh, portions of that game was really a backbreaker. And, and I think that the Golden Knights, just their ability and belief in the room that doesn't really matter what the series score is, doesn't really matter what the score in the game is, there's belief that they can come back and win in any situation, and they've been proving that all season long. It was the series we all wanted to see, and we got it, and it came out in favor of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, to the listener line on the VGK Insider Show, John, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks very much, guys. First time caller. Um, just want to say that I think this team, people are worried about uh, Montreal. I don't think we have too much to worry about with those guys. I mean, they do they play a tough game. Let's put it that way. They do, and they've come a long way in the last couple of series. But this team at the Knights have is built to win right now. You can see in any of the series, the last two, that even though we were behind, that did not phase these guys whatsoever. The intermission, um, you know, the talks between the intermission with these guys, they were calm, cool, collective. I think they're focused. They've got, they got all cylinders hitting at one time right now. So this next series, I feel it's going to go five games. I believe Montreal might pull one off up at the Bell Center. Other than that, Knights are going to sweep these guys badly. That's just my thoughts on what's going to happen next. What did you think was the turning point against Colorado? You know, actually, believe it or not, I actually think that first game. I mean, we came out slow. We, you know, this is my philosophy. When, I, when, I, when that game played, I wasn't even worried about it. I really had the idea that we were going to lose that game. I just know we put in that tough seven-game series against the Wild. Tough, tough. They were beat. They were down. But at that point, after they allowed those seven goals in, and you know, and Leonard, you know, kind of was the scapegoat for that. I think they came together and they said, "We're not going to let that happen," and they just pushed forward at that point. And it was just relentless. Let's put it this way, guy. It was relentless. They had no chance whatsoever. I had no qualms last night that we were not going to crush those guys one way or the other. McKinnon, devastated. You can see him. He just did not play up to his capacity. And he has so much of the, you know, the load on his shoulders that at this point, you know, they need to do some revamping over there because they don't have – they have a great team around them, but they need something else. Something's missing. You know, these young guys, I'm a lot older guy, it seems like when these younger guys get uh, kind of beat down or, you know, just not going their way, they get down. And you know what? You have to stay positive no matter what situation you're in. They probably could have turned this around, but they didn't have that belief in themselves the way the Knights did. Uh, nice work, uh, John. Why haven't you called before? Why is this your first time? <laughs> first time. Well, you know, I work a lot, so this is my first time driving home hearing you guys on the radio in the car. So I said, I've got to talk to these guys. I love you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, you know, at least give you a little bit of my opinion. Uh, make sure you call again, pal. I will, man. Take care. There's uh, John uh, calling in, first-time caller on the VGK Insider Show, giving us uh, his thoughts on what happened in the second round of these uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I think that there's one area where the Golden Knights were clearly better than the Colorado Avalanche. I'll give you that uh, little tidbit, plus uh, update you on what else is happening in and around the National Hockey League with our one-timers. It's the VGK Insider Show enjoying another berth in the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs on Fox Sports Las Vegas. From the draw shot, they score! It was tipped down low. Ryan Reeves right near the net. Vegas takes the lead back 3-2. to two. Kolasar... With Reeves around the net, and I think the last man to touch it was Keegan Colasar.
Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Along with Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard here in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, one a little bow that I want to put on the Golden Knights series against the Colorado Avalanche is... While you can have players go out there head-to-head and goaltenders uh, at opposite ends square off and uh, sort of stare each other down, an area in which the Golden Knights were superior to the Colorado Avalanche was coaching and tactically. And how you responded to losses, how you responded to uh, performances that weren't uh, maybe at the top of the level of of yours expected team like Colorado won six in a row to start the playoffs and after the first loss the team got lit into uh, I don't know how much that affected the the Colorado Avalanche but Jared Bednar spent a couple of days in in meetings uh going over things and I'm sure part of it was uh the players not happy uh, after winning a president's trophy and and winning their first six games and and being uh lit up you heard Pete DeBoer, how he handled getting uh, things uh, go against them in the opener, which was not the greatest performance, uh, far from it, but a much different tact. And I think psychologically, uh, Pete DeBoer won the coaching matchup and tactically uh, how they were able to relieve the pressure uh, that the, the Colorado Avalanche can apply on you was significant and uh, just a, a stick tap to the, the Golden Knights uh, coaching staff and uh, Mike Rosati, the goaltending coach and uh, the assistants, Ryan McGill and Ryan Craig and Steve Spott and uh, the, the head coach in, in Pete DeBoer. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the coaching job from Pete DeBoer the entire way in this series was fantastic, not just in terms of you know, his comments through the media, not just in terms of the messaging that he had out there for everybody in the public, but the decisions that he made within the series. When you have a roster, when you have a lineup that is going and you've got options to, to put back into the lineup, he hit on every single one of those decisions, every single one. And it would have been very easy to say, well, this was a great lineup. This is the lineup that, that got us to this point. I'm going to just kind of sit back and let that go. But he was able to move some pieces around, take pieces in and out of the lineup, dealt with that as best he could, and it paid him back in spades. It was a well, well-coached well series by Pete DeBoer. I was surprised that Patrick Brown came out last night. I really, I really I, was. I, I know. And guess I what? I, it, like it, I felt... it happened that, uh, that it ended up being a, a great move because – King Colasar scores a big goal playing uh, at the center ice where Patrick Brown would have been. Now, I'm not saying Patrick Brown couldn't have scored, but it, it again, one of those ones where every move uh, worked out for Pete DeBoer. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that that to me is, is a coach that really understands his team and really knows what each individual player is going to bring to the table, especially in those situations. Obviously, the players have to go out there and reward their coach for for getting back into the lineup. But right now, Pete DeBoer really has this team and the pulse of this team figured out, and it's it's a great thing to see if you're a Golden Knights fan. Uh, speaking about the uh, to Bruce Boudreau in in our number one and his 
assessment that Colorado today looks a lot like Tampa Bay was a couple of years ago uh, when Tampa Bay had a great season and then lost uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. I I think there's something something to that. Now, what does Joe Sackick do and how does uh, Jared Bednar handle uh, this particular disappointment because it's three years in a row in the second round? I, I mean that's an interesting one, right? Like, because it, it it's not that they don't have the skill, because they certainly do. But in the same way that that Tampa team had to learn that you don't have to go out and try to beat a team four or five to nothing in the playoffs, you, you can, you know, you can get a lead and then rely on on being hard to play against to kind of close those things out. And there's just a difference in terms of playing the right way in the playoffs. I I the the question is. How much are you going to be able to get those players to buy into that come playoff time next year? Because, you know, I I look at the Avalanche, I look at this team, and and they're going to be very good, and they're going to be in the playoffs for a long time. But you've got to accept that there are certain times within a game, especially in the playoffs, where you make the simple play. You chip the puck out. You don't look for offense up two to nothing uh, in, in a game in the third period. And... You know, those are things that are, are going to come down to the coach and it's going to come down to the players buying into the message. Yeah, I think you can still look for offense uh, when you're up, but you got to be a, a lot more conservative about it and, and maybe pick yeah. your spots a, a little bit more. I, I know exactly the play that you're, you're talking about and uh, and how it turned around and maybe turned around on, on, on that particular play. Uh, other news uh, to tell you about uh, making its way through the National Hockey League is the Coach of the Year finalists are out. I really thought Pete DeBoer had a shot to being uh, in, into this group as uh, one of the finalists. It's not the case. There is a coach from the West Division that is among the group, and it's Dean Evison of the Minnesota Wild who will be competing against or is competing against Joel Quenville of the Florida Panthers and Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes. Interestingly... None of the three are still going as the National Hockey League hits its third round. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, Rod Brindamore is a, a great coach, and he's got a really, really good team. But, like, you know, Dean Evison got more out of the Minnesota Wild than I think a lot of people expected. And I, I think you say the same thing about Joel Quinville. But, you know, I look at, you know, Barry Trotz, right? Like, and, and what he's been able to do with the Islanders and how good that team has been over the course of his duration there. And it's hard for me to not say, well, I mean, look at the job he's done. He's been he's been a great coach and, and you should absolutely be able to win the Jack Adams multiple times in a row. If you are the best coach in the league, then that's fine. Go ahead, do that. But your point's taken on, on Pete DeBoer. Because the expectations for the Golden Knights going into this were that they were to be among the elite of the elite in this league. And they did that, and he has done a great job coaching this this group. I'm surprised there wasn't a little bit more love for Pete DeBoer, for sure. Here's the thing. The, the Coach of the Year Award, the Jack Adams Award, should be renamed the Jack Adams Award for Most Improved Team. Coached yes, 100%. by blah, 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 blah. That, that, yep. That's what it should be. Uh, because... Uh, too often, somebody like John Cooper uh, gets his team to 62 wins. I know they didn't win that year. Like That that should be your coach of the year. Uh, Pete DeBoer, Jared yeah. Bednar, uh, go Sheldon Keefe uh, if you want. 
who had great regular seasons, uh, especially during a COVID year with with everything going on. That that it coach of the year balloting too often is just for a team that uh, that overachieved and uh, and and not enough respect is uh, given to the teams that are expected to uh, be there at the end of the end of the day. Uh, Tuka Rask uh, expected to miss the start of next season, which is interesting because. He doesn't have a contract for next season. Uh, he's unrestricted yep. free agent. Wants to play for the Boston Bruins, but uh, he's going to have to have a procedure performed on the labrum in his uh, hip. And uh, that's a, a surgical procedure probably within a month. And uh, it's going to delay the start to next year. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Bruins do. I I still have the belief that if Tuka Rask is healthy, he is um, a better than average goaltender and one that you can win with so i'd like to see him come back i'd like to see him be a bruin and you know i i think tuka rask should should be a bruin like i i you know i I see what happens with zidane ochara and it just felt like weird at times to see chara as a washington capital and I, I don't think that that should happen with Tuka Rask. I think he should be a Boston Bruin. Uh, you know, all. Boston doesn't have the greatest of history with their superstars retiring as Bruins. I'll go back to fair point. Bobby Orr. I'll go to Ray Bork. Uh, <laughs> I'll go to Tim Thomas. Uh, I'll go to Shane Knighty. Uh, well, hold on. Do they not get a pass on Ray Bork? I thought you were going to say nine. Like, oh, no. I mean, sure, maybe, but like, do they not get a pass on Ray Bork? Like, you give him an opportunity to win a cup. Like, uh, that's got to stand. I'm for just pointing out the fact that he didn't end his career uh, as a member of the the Boston Bruins. It's not but like I, that was a positive one. Yes, for Ray. Yeah. Exactly. Joe Thornton. And I think for like for like all Bruins fans that loved Ray Bork and wanted to see him win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a quote from Tukarask. Talk about, uh, he, they must have some kind of gentleman's agreement already in place. Because yeah. there's, there's no way you would say something like this if you don't when it comes to bargaining power. Uh, said Tukarask, I'm not going to play for anybody else other than the Boston Bruins. This is our home. We have three kids. The kids enjoy it here. They have friends in school. We have friends. At this point in my life, in my career, I don't see any reason to go anywhere else. Now, that that doesn't exactly strengthen your bargaining power. Like, usually it's, hey, you want me? Sign me to the money I'm worth or else I'm going somewhere else. That's the exact opposite of that. No, that is, that is Tuka Rask being a Bruin through and through. Come mm-hmm. on now. Hometown discount. It's happening. Do you think he gives him a hometown discount? I mean, if he wants to be a Bruin that badly, probably. Hmm. Uh, we have a new head coach in the National Hockey League. As the Columbus Blue Jackets have filled its vacancy, Brad Larson named uh, the bench boss to take over from John Tortorella. Larson uh, is now a head coach for the first time in the National Hockey League. Good for Columbus. <laughs> Is that, I, I, is, I is can, that your can, uh, uh, knowledge of Brad Larson and and what he's? I can uh, such a great legitimately honor. Legitimately tell you, yeah, like I can legitimately tell you, like 
okay. Um, I I don't know I don't know what Brad Larson's going to do for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm not sure um, that I could pick Brad Larson out of a lineup. That is my knowledge of Brad Larson. Well, let's yeah. hope let's hope it doesn't come to that. That you have to pick him up. No, no, come on. Uh, it's it's the it's the <laughs> it's the platitude, buddy. Come on. Larson uh, earned this job, okay. Uh, an assistant under John Tortorella and previous to that Todd Richards for seven seasons, and was a coach in the uh, American Hockey League for the Blue Jackets affiliate in Springfield uh, before that. So he gets a three-year contract. Given the names that are out there. What makes you think that the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, what what made them go towards Brad Larson over, uh, I don't know, a, a Gerard Glant, uh, a, a Mike Babcock, uh, some of these, Bruce Boudreaux, uh, Rick Tockett, some of these names that are out there? So there are two reasons I can think of. One, you are kind of reading the writing on the wall in terms of Seth Jones, in terms of what your team might look like next year, and you say, okay, let's take some time. Let's maybe not full, full-fledged full rebuild, but let's try to kind of build things up again, and we know it's going to be lean for a couple of years. Or uh, you know that the this contract's probably going to be a bit more cost-controlled in a an environment where you need to control costs. Uh, there's a great line from Yarmel Kekalainen uh, talking about signing Brad Larson. Uh, it uh, it makes me proud to promote him. He was one of the first interviews we had, and we used this term, the Lars Bar. And nobody else seemed to get over the Lars Bar. Uh, that's pretty good. In the old days, it was a different bar that they tried to get over. But uh, now it, uh, in Columbus, it's the Lars Bar, uh, which uh, there's something to be said for paying your dues, and, and he did that. So uh, that's uh, that's very cool. Happy for him. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens will play the Golden Knights in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup semifinal on Monday, and they will go every other day. What this means is if the Golden Knights uh, are going to uh, win the Stanley Cup, they will have to face uh, two cross-continent opponents in the final two rounds. Do you think that's a factor? Um, I mean, it's interesting, but... I guess that kind of depends on the Golden Knights, right? Like, you, if you take care of business in these series and you limit the amount of times you've got to fly back and forth, then um, I, I think it becomes less of a factor. But it, it's certainly going to be an advantage for, you know, Tampa, the Islanders, whichever team is there, because uh, they're just not going to have to travel as much until the final round. But good teams find ways, and that's what the Golden Knights are up against. Uh, we uh, mentioned earlier uh, with, I think, Lou or John, I can't remember which, uh, the NHL awards will start to be handed out. We've got the finalists for the uh, the Jack Adams in today, and now we'll reset and uh, start handing out the awards with all the finalists determined in the various categories, beginning on Monday with the King Clancy Memorial Award. Pekka Rene, Curtis Gabriel, and P.K. Subban up for that. Uh, if you're uh, looking for VGK uh, content, uh, you've got the Selkie Trophy will be announced on Friday, June 18th. So next Friday, Stone against uh, Barkov and Bergeron. And uh, you also have, where's the Vesna Trophy uh, in this? i got to find that. Uh, Selkie, Lady Bing, Jim Gregory Award, uh, Mark Messier. And during the Stanley Cup Final, 
The Vesna Trophy will be announced. Uh, that's uh, involving Mark Andre Fleury, Philip Grubauer, and Andre Vasilevsky. So, uh, a couple of uh, nominees from the Vegas Golden Knights. So, one will be handed out next Friday. The Selkie Trophy, and then Vesna will be uh, presented, uh, named during the Stanley Cup Final. No, no award show this year. Yeah, it, it's gonna be. It's gonna feel a little bit different, but I, I'm I'm glad that we get the Selkie a bit earlier than the Stanley Cup Final yeah. because. Um, you know, I, I personally, I think Mark Stone should win it. And if he does win it, then I think you see another level from Mark Stone. And if he doesn't win it, I also think you see another level from Mark Stone. So not a bad thing for him to still be p- playing hockey when he gets that news. And that will be on a game day for the Vegas Golden Knights Friday when they play a game three in Montreal. I- I can tell you who my night to shine will be that night. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for Mark uh, to be asked about it and for him to say, because when he was announced as a finalist and uh, and the media asked him about it, which you had to ask, and he's, I've got uh, bigger yes. things in my mind. I've got other things in my mind. And uh, totally shut it down. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what, uh, what he says. If he's uh, named the Selkie Award winner next Friday, the day of Game 3. Game 1 will be played on Monday. Game 2 will be played on Wednesday. Both games at T-Mobile Arena. Final thoughts on that as we head towards the weekend. Bounces around toward the high slot. Pacioretty and now Tuck shoots wide. Rebound. Score! Petrangelo! Alex Petrangelo puts Vegas in the lead 4-3. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Huge moment at the end of the second period. And what a play by Alex Petrangelo. Not physically, but reading the play. Because Alex Tuck gets that puck at the top of the circle, spins and fires. And while all that's happening, Alex Petrangelo is reading the play and jumping in down low and is in the right spot or just around the face-off dot to throw that puck in as it caromed off the backboards and the Golden Knights did not look back. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, getting uh, ready to wrap things up on this week and uh, turn the page and look forward to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs opening against the Montreal Canadiens on Monday at T-Mobile Arena and uh, all-time hockey fans are going to love this. Just the history of the Montreal Canadiens and the newness of the, the Vegas Golden Knights. What a, a collision between uh, different organizations. Uh, now, here's Chris Chapman. You have about uh, 24 seconds Yeah, yeah. I see how you milked that segment (laughs) there. Yeah. So European Championships started in soccer, right? Following the European World Championships, I should say, in hockey. But uh, watch the game today. Italy against uh, Turkey. Mm -hmm. Not not exactly the most enthrilling game ever. Actually, it was kind of boring. Uh, Italy does win 3-0. My dark horse to win is Denmark. However, if I was placing a bet, I would place my bet on Belgium. I think this is finally the time that they take that big step forward. Coming off a semifinal in the World Cup, their loaded best midfielder in the world and Kevin De Bruyne, Belgium will win the European Championship. At least there's nothing going on in hockey that you could have talked about. Well, I only had 24 seconds. You mentioned seven countries. I mentioned two. That was more than 24 seconds, Chapman. Hey, got to go. Got to go. Thanks for listening. Uh, You've been great uh, all the way along, and we can't wait to start the second half of the Stanley Cup playoffs on Monday. Talk to you then.